Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all, to the George Bruce Show's semi-annual, feels like we do it a lot, Patriots Super Bowl victory show. I am George Brew. I will not waste your time with a long monologue because I'm not Jimmy Fallon, but I will uh, introduce a man who has written more books about the Patriots than, well, the Patriots put out every year. And the uh, the author of his latest, greatest book, uh, Tom Brady vs. the NFL, Mr. Sean Glennon. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, George. How are you? I try every time I have you on to come up with something better to say about you, which gets tougher and tougher uh, because we've had John so much. But I, did I do a good job? <laughs> you did great. I'll take all the praise I can get, George. Hey, that's good you're here. That's why you come on the show. Um, <laughs> all right, so we'll get we'll get the book. You can buy it at Amazon, and if you live up in New England, I'm sure every Barnes and Noble has it. Before we get into the Patriots stuff, how hard is it to write books today with the lack of with how like booksellers are going by the wayside? You know, books are actually selling. Uh, much better than people projected a few years ago, and I mean print books. You know, it was a, only a couple of years ago that they were saying they're going away, um, but uh, they they're holding just fine. I mean, there was a there was a big dip in in the publishing market, but uh, it seems to have leveled off. And and you know, when you can write a book about Tom Brady, you're, you're going to sell copies of that book. Yeah, that, but see, to me, being down in New Jersey, like I am. As much, I mean, I love the book. I, it's literally, I have three books on my coffee table, and my wife hates me for all three of them because she's a giant fan. But it's that it's uh, your book, um, Mr. Hilberg's book that will be here in a little bit, and uh, Patriot Reign by Holly. Those three yeah. are on my coffee table, no doubt, because they're just fantastic reads. And plus I get, I have like, the page in Patriot Reign highlight, like, flag to see Belichick was going to get rid of Bledsoe. 
Yeah, you know, it's an honor to be on the same coffee table as, as those books because, uh, you know, Holly's book sort of speaks for itself and, and uh, Bob Hildberg's book. It, I, I live in awe of that thing. It's it's amazing. And, you know, Bob's a friend. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. so maybe I would say that anyway. But that book is it's just awesome. Yeah, I every time I need like. I didn't grow up in New England. I've been a Patriot fan for 25 years. Oh, it's Kraft on the team now, 24 years, 23 years. I'm a Kraft Patriot fan. I, I had to put a label on it because, like, I hate the Yank, the Derek Jeter Yankee fans, the core four Yankee fan, because when you're a fan of a team on a bandwagon for 20 years, you've got to come up with a name for them. <laughs> so you have, the Brady Patri- you have the Brady Patriot fans because, I mean, Honestly, at this point, if you jumped on the bandwagon after 2001, you've been here for 16, 15 years now. Yeah. If you really think about it. You know, and then I think you have the new fans that we can – but I think the older fans are now like Barstool fans, so that's kind of works. But before we get into that long thing, um, your thoughts on the game? Because I was talking to Bob before. And we were talking about how, like, we were feeling at points. You put something on Facebook the other day that I agree with you 100%. That game was two plays away from being a Patriot blowout. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I'm a, it's a little bit hyperbolic on my part, but not too much. You know, it's certainly uh, two turnovers away from being a, a decisive Patriots victory in my mind. You know, I look at the, I look mm-hmm. at where those those turnovers happened, uh, and I'm talking about the, the the blunt fumble and the pick six, right? And yeah. they're both deep in Atlanta territory, and um, the, the Patriots are you know are, are moving the ball fairly well. Um, and then I, I also look at the fact that the Atlanta offense in that game put up 21 points. All right, so that's the top scoring offense in the league, and um, mm-hmm. even with those the, even with that stuff happening, they put up twenty one points. You know, seven of, of Atlanta's points came on the pick six, right? So, um, if if New England doesn't give the, and and you know you can't talk about this stuff. I, I have to say, you can't talk about this stuff if your team loses the game, right? You can't go, oh, we're, yeah. you know, it's just those two turnovers, like okay, But yeah, I think you can when the team comes back and wins. I, I just think it's a, no, you, see, we're ta- we're telling yeah. a different story today if those turnovers don't happen. You know, yeah. or frankly, George, I think if those turnovers yeah. happen at different points in the game, if the if the if the scoring in that game is more evenly distributed, this is what everybody's saying right now that that the turnovers saved Atlanta from getting blown out. Yeah, I think so. I I, I honestly do. But like you're as, you as a writer, right? Like I, I I try not to write as much as I have. I can't. I, I just that was the one part of school that always kept me going. But if you wrote this book, if you came up with this fiction novel and pitched it to Hollywood and said, you should make a movie out of this, they would say, no, you're kidding. This can't happen. And this is why sports is great. Sports is a great equalizer between reality and, and everything else because it really should take you away from the politics of the day even though it didn't <laughs> because of, you know, whatever. But that's the, the greatest part of that whole game is that when you look at it, like, and you're right, if the 
even if it's not where the turnovers were, what if Brady had, you know, what if they had only kicked a field goal on that drive where Brady throws a pick six? Right. And in the fourth quarter when they're coming back, that's when he throws the pick six. Oh, that's a whole different can of worms. That's right. That's right. And it's, um, you know, the, the farther away I get from that game, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really weird thing to say, right? But the farther away I get from that game, and I mean in terms of days, I, I continue to watch that game. So I, I'm actually more, uh, in, you know, I'm more absorbed in it than I was uh, on, on Sunday mm-hmm. night. Um, the less surprised I am by the outcome of that game. And, and, and I could hardly have been more surprised by the outcome of that game because I was one of those people who was sitting there watching it and they're down 25 points. And I'm saying this, it just, I don't care who this, what, who the quarterback is or what this team is. You don't come back from down 25 in the Super Bowl. You just don't. And, and certainly not with the way uh, they were turning the ball over in that game, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and, you know, I think we've all seen the, the probabilities. It was like 99.6% chance of, of an Atlanta victory at that point. Um, so I, I can hardly be more surprised. But what I mean is, like, when you go back and watch the game over and over again, you really see that, that with, with the exception of those mistakes, the Patriots were playing their game the whole time. Um, now those mistakes are, are awful and unforgivable, and, they, and they're the kind of mistakes that very often cost you a game. But they were—I don't think they were ever really out of their game. You know, we hear about the pitchers; they were always always confident that they were going to come back and win it. And I think, yeah, because they knew they were doing what they were supposed to do. Yeah, I, I, and I looked at it. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, Stephen Chi, and he'll join us later about it. And I've referenced this—you know—every time I've done a show this week. At no point did I sit there and go. You know, they're getting their asses kicked. I never thought that. I, I never – oh, man, you know, it's it, it was tough. But I didn't think they were completely out of the game. I didn't think Atlanta was that good going into the game. But that may be because I don't see enough of Atlanta. I mean, who does? Like, unless you right. live in Atlanta, you're not seeing the Atlanta Falcons every week. I mean, the good right. thing about where I live in New Jersey is if, they, if they're the B game – on Fox that's not picked up by New York, I at least get to watch it on the Philly station. And it's like, you know, and I got to watch them play Philly, and I was like, this is the team that, it, I mean, let's not forget. They could have been a five seed. They could have been right where the New York Giants were. Yeah. But they weren't because the NFC was terrible this year, except for two teams. Right. Although, you know, I'll say I spent the last, I don't know what, four weeks of the regular season telling people Atlanta's going to the Super Bowl um, and having people look at me like I was out of my mind. But, you know, having I had seen them enough at that point to know that they that they had the stuff to get through, uh, to you know, to get through the regular season successfully and to run through the, the, the conference playoffs. Now, I also said... Um, that uh, you know, whoever won the AFC championship was the you know that that was the real Super Bowl. I didn't think Atlanta could run with either New England or Pittsburgh, um, and and so I was yeah. shocked on Sunday night um, at how wrong it looked like I had been. Um, I, and I you know I, I did think that the Patriots were out of it uh, w- when they were way down, um, and and uh, I what I couldn't get my head around was. Uh, you know, I knew Atlanta had a hell of an offense, but I I couldn't figure out, um, you know, how they suddenly had seemed to have sprouted a defense. And when I go back and watch the game, I'm, I'm not sure that they did. They made a couple of huge plays. Um, but, of course, you know, that those kind of huge plays were enough against Green Bay, right? Um, the, yeah. 
it, it's a hard thing to come back from, from making those kind of mistakes. Yeah, I look at the Green Bay game like this, and, and that was really the first time everybody had seen them play. You know, uh, maybe you missed the game against uh, Seattle because it's Seattle and you're kind of tired of them. And, like, everybody, I mean, how many people are tired of us? I mean, it, it, the greatest thing about being a Patriot fan is people are tired of seeing us every year. And it's kind of like a badge of honor for us. <laughs> you're tired of seeing us? Guess what? We'll be there next year. But when, yeah. when I watched them play, I said, you know, Atlanta, at that, Green Bay at that point was a shell of what beat the Giants. I mean, they were hurt. And, and, and then you can't take that part of the whole equation away because of how hurt they were. But there was something about them, and I just was like, yeah, they're, they're a good team. And I, and I think in an, any other year, maybe not so good. But I may be crazy and just a Patriot fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think there was. I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying. Um, it, I, you know, I think overall we we saw a, a, a real sort of um, imbalance uh, mm-hmm. across the, the the league this year, and I, I don't mean just top to bottom. I mean even at the top in uh, in both conferences, um, there were really only to my mind, going into the playoffs, you know, uh, you know, four, maybe five teams that, that had a real shot at, at, at taking it all the way. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like I remember in, in, in recent years um, seeing fields where you had maybe ten playoff teams that had a chance of, uh, you know, some better than others, but ten that had a real chance. I didn't feel that way about, uh, about anything like ten teams this year. No, I, I think you're 100% right. Like, I want, you know, what living here and getting to see the Giants every week, I didn't think they were a playoff team. I didn't think they were a good playoff team. I thought they had a very good defense that, you know, could steal a game for you, but I didn't think they were going to steal an entire playoff like the, you know, teams that had beaten the Patriots did. I still look at I, – I, when I look at Atlanta, when I look at Atlanta to this day, like even now I'm sitting there going, you know, and I like you. I've watched that game over and over because it's been on so many times this week on the NFL Network, and I'm going, "How the hell were we down by that many to this team?" As as bad as that sounds, it's exactly the way I'm thinking. I'm like, "How are they down like this? They shouldn't have been." Not the New England Patriots, maybe the Boston right. Patriots. <laughs> you know, but. I look at the I looked at the whole NFC and everybody kept saying how great the NFC was this year. Was it really great, or was it Dallas had to play Dallas? Dallas to me this year was Carolina last year played the last place schedule and lost to the Giants twice because the Giants beat them up. But they weren't going to play anybody that was going to beat them up. And that's what I think it came down to. I thought New England's defense in the second half, especially, uh, you know, Coach Patricia came out of like nowhere and stole that game for him. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly the the defense um, defense did what it had to do. Specials too played uh, played great. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think specials played played really well throughout that game. Um, defense certainly stepped it up. I feel like the defense really started to come on about midway through the second quarter. Um, and, yeah. 
and and maybe when you look back at it, right, the 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 you know the Falcons were having some success running to the outside. You know the Patriots defense was doing what it always does, plugging up the middle and 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 forcing the team to go outside. And 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 you know when you look back at that game on both sides of the ball, you wonder how much of the Patriots game plan was to sort of make the Falcons run around, make that sort of small, fast team run around and, and uh, wear themselves out. And, and, and if that was their game plan, it was brilliant because it worked to perfection. You know, at the end of the, in yeah. the, in the second half, where they, they, I think the Falcons, I could be wrong about this, but I think the Falcons in the second half, and I know they got away from the run, uh, but I think they had like nine runs for, for something like 26 yards. Um, uh, I, I have that stat for you. Are you ready to hear it? It's not even as close as you make it sound. It was eight runs for 13 yards. That's it. Wow. Yep. Um, so, you know, one wonders yep. if that was sort of that was sort of what the how this game was supposed to play out. And again, that gets me back to those two turnovers. Um and um if if in, indeed the patriots were sort of executing their game plan the way they uh, the way they always intended it to um and and those two you know huge mistakes kept atlanta in the game um and just made it look like a blowout in the making because of the, again because of the, the distribution of the points yeah and, and you know and the other thing is i think in this new world of social media that we live in i couldn't even go on facebook at halftime because i went on I looked, I said, I'm not getting the hell off of this. And then I was like, oh, please let Sean have something good here. One of the great things that I've I've seen you do since the whole D word started is track Tom Brady's stats from the second half of the AFC Championship game through now. Yeah, the deflated balls had nothing to do with this, huh? It clearly had nothing to do with it, I, or, or if they had anything to do with it. Look, I, here's my perspective, and I, I, I got to say it up front. You know, it's clear to me from science and and to you know to anybody who's sort of I think reasonable in looking at this that there was no intentional def- deflation. The only deflation that happened in that game was was due to atmospheric conditions, right? But let's say mm-hmm. the Patriots were deflating the balls intentionally. Let's let's say you can you, you, you can stipulate to that, right? Um then yeah. as it turns out, they were hurting themselves. That that Brady was hurting himself doing that because his, you know, his numbers are so much sharper since Halftime in that game than than they are for the rest of his career and for the games you know the the um, thirty games or so immediately before that um, that there's there's no argument that uh, deflating the balls was helping him in any way. I look at it and I, I've heard stuff from people that I know that there were two teams that kept this whole thing going, and I, you could probably guess one of them. Um, but the second one, well, if what Deion Sanders is telling is true, well, Tony Dungy, you got a lot of explaining to do. Oh, that's right. He said that they cheated, but it was on the level. Right. <laughs> Can you, like, right. What? I heard that this morning, and I'm going, no, he didn't. Say, there's no way Tony Dungy said that. And then I'm like, I've never liked Tony Dungy. I must be the one guy on the planet that doesn't like Tony Dungy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe. 
But there's a part of me that goes, okay, so if everybody else is doing it, if the golden boy Aaron Rodgers was doing what he said he was doing, well, then that's a widespread thing in the league. And somebody owes a, somebody owes an, an apology to Thomas Brady, which he'll never get. No. I really can't wait for Roger Goodell's book. I can't. He's got to write one, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, what is he going to say at this point? Um, his tenure as, as commissioner has has um, not been terribly successful. You know, I, what I've heard over the you know the couple of years since Deflategate is you know well the, the owners love Roger Goodell because he does such a great job negotiating the 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 uh, the TV deals. And and I what, I what I wonder when I hear that is well we also hear that Roger Goodell has this great relationship with the TV networks. Like there's something there's something wrong there. Like Goodell does a great job negotiating TV deals as compared to who? Like who who's the other NFL commissioner who's negotiating worse deals? Like the, maybe guys the TV networks like this guy so much and protect this guy through through the idiocy that you know with the, with the rice thing and deflategate and all that stuff. Maybe the networks are protecting him for a reason. Um, and maybe he's not such a great negotiator. I, I don't know what story he would tell when it's all said and done that, that he's going to come out. I mean, he can spin it any way he wants, but that he's going to come out looking good in. You know, and what they say is is that Bob Kraft is the big guy on that stuff when when it comes down to the TV deals. And you've really pooped on your number one franchise. I, I mean, when you look at it at the end of the day, the Patriots are the cream of the crop when it comes to everything that you've had go on that's good in this league, but you just went and pooped on them because the Jets wanted a – God only knows what the Jets wanted out of it. <laughs> to me, it makes right. no sense. Like, it still makes no sense to me that you go that – like that we spent so much time talking about the inflation level of football. And then you have these and, – and the other thing is if ESPN, which, I mean, if you know, depending on who you're born to believe, but they're one of the bigger organizations that kept this story going and going and going. Well, what are they getting out of this? Because have you seen some of the Monday night games they get every year? They're terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I, it's very hard to – that some of the media collaboration on on this thing has just been it's been hard for me to understand you know why why does ESPN want to alienate an entire you know not insignificant fan base um to to sort of prop up this commissioner um you know this is also the commissioner keep in mind who is you know among his great accomplishments is the you know introduction of Thursday night football which has been an unmitigated disaster not just for the NFL network and and for uh, whatever network has those games uh, for part of the season maybe it's CBS um but but I think really for for everybody's ratings that I think that the dip in ratings I'm not attributing it entirely to this but I think the dip in ratings that we saw this season has something to do with oversaturation and 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 Thursday night is the definition of oversaturation those games are awful no one wants to watch them and uh, and and that's this guy's great accomplishment is propping up the NFL network by uh, by instituting these Thursday night games uh, like. Bravo, Commissioner. You're doing a terrific, terrific job there. 
<laughs> wow, you are a Patriot fan. I will tell you. <laughs> there, there are a lot of people outside Patriot Nation who hate Roger Goodell. No, but you know what? Here's the funny thing. I got a buddy who's a Bills fan who I remember I used to defend Roger Goodell going, you know, he's really got a tough job here. And then the flake gate started. He goes, you still like your boy? And I said, hell, no, screw him. He's a jerk. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I see with this whole thing. And I think you're right. I think Thursday night football has destroyed everything. And you're, and you're making them have to be divisional games. And to me, I don't think a divisional game should be played on a short week because it has a lot to mean. I honestly was saying the other night that I think that they should get rid of all the interdivisional games in September and October and just get rid of those games. Because who wants to sit there in November or December and watch Patriots-Rams? In Gillette Stadium. Nobody. I mean, other than the fact that it was Brady's, you know, 201st win. Right. Right, yeah, no, the home home fans are, are loving it because it was an easy win for the Patriots. But, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, look, and it doesn't matter, I think, how you slice up the schedule. You're, you're going to end up with some, uh, with some dogs. You, you know, you're not going to produce uh, 32 yeah. good seats. You know, even – uh, the salary cap and free agency hasn't managed to produce 32 good teams, so you're just going to end up with some of those games. But you, know, you think there might be some way to to uh, to put those in places, you know, put them in whatever in the in the last week of September, first week in October, whatever, where they, uh, you know, unlikely to to do you any real damage. But um, I think this commissioner, I think he's just got his his eyes on other things. And and you know, going back to people who hate the commissioner, I mean, find football fans in Louisiana and ask them what they think of Roger Goodell. You know, that was a complete railroad job on that team. And, and you know what's funny? I, it, it's really fun. I mean, other than the fact that it, because, you know, we have, you know, media friends that are down there, and all of them said, oh, we, all were, we all felt bad for the Patriots. Well, how, when was the last time you heard somebody say, we feel bad for the Patriots? Right. But those, but they know. I mean, they, that, that unmitigated disaster that was that whole situation. But you're telling me that, like, you know, and I go back to this. Greg Williams wasn't doing that in other stops. I mean, you kind of the guy's got an mo, and he's not exactly the world's greatest human being. But this league has always been a cash cow for networks. That's why, if you watch that great Thirty for Thirty on the XFL, that's why they started it because they're like, oh, people like football. We'll get football on TV. Well, it has to be decent football for people to like it. And the XFL was sure as hell not that. But it was football. And if it was a good product, I honestly think the biggest thing the NFL needs is a feeder program. Because how many linemen are getting hurt now that they don't have tough training camps, they don't have tough OTAs because, you know, the players didn't want them. Okay, I get why you don't want them, but don't start complaining when, you know, everybody and their mother's getting hurt. I honestly think that you'll never see 18 games because of this. I certainly hope not. I don't know how you could. I, I really don't at this point. Because of the yeah, fact I'm not that sure. how bad it is. Right. 
I don't think you can do it and, and maintain the quality of, of play. You know, I mean, you, you you would absolutely have to expand rosters and and uh, you know expand the salary cap and, and do all that stuff. And even doing that, I, look, there are, there are people who you can't put that kind of wear and tear on um, and just say, well, you know, we, we, we're going to expand the roster and so we'll have you know. Teams will have you know three quarterbacks uh, who are you know active for every game. Well, that's great, but you know you get down to your second, third quarterback, and and, uh, and you know unless you're the Patriots, apparently things get uh, things get hairy really quick. I mean, look at what happened to the Raiders at the end of the season. That was um, I, I, you know I, I felt terrible for that. <laughs> I felt bad for no, I didn't because I don't like Jack Rio. <laughs> but I felt. But you know, but they, I, you know, it comes down to in a league where parity is the norm and everything else. When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you have owners who are dopes, you have coaches that are dopes, and it just shows that what having the greatest coach to ever coach in football is. I mean, for all. Tents and purposes. Mike Tomlin's not a terrible football coach. He's a moron. He's a cheerleader, and everybody killed Howie Terry uh, Bradshaw for saying it. But what did you see out of him? That guy lost the AFC Championship game before they even kicked the ball off because he cared more about you know calling the Patriots assholes than he did about coaching the team. Well, there's that. When you look back at this season with the Pats, take away the four-game suspension because, you know, everybody's going to talk about it. What was the biggest moment you saw for the Pats this year? That's a great question. I'm not sure I have an immediate answer for that question, George. Uh, you know, it's, because part, partially because we just came through the Super Bowl, and, and it's hard for me to, to uh, you know, to, to sort of cast back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, past that, it's it's, it's it's I think it's still too, it's still too much uh, at the front of my mind. Um, but I think you know. I, th- I think what happened in those first four games uh, bears, uh, you know, it got a, a lot of attention. It probably bears more attention than uh, uh, that, that it's got to date because it, it's still um, it's still sort of astounding to me that oh, look, I, Jimmy Garoppolo clearly has a lot of talent and and I, I think he's going to be successful wherever he ends up, as long as he ends up in a, in a you know not a complete disaster of a system, um, but. To be able to, to then make that switch again to your, you know to your third quarterback who who uh, you know maybe I I got no issues with Jacoby Brissett I, I, he he played yeah. well but to to get that deep into your uh, into your uh, into your depth chart at that position and and be able to keep winning and and I you know I sort of recognize that they didn't win all four of those games but um, with it to to win games with a with a third string quarterback with an injured thumb, it's just it's um, 
it's something that that we're going to have to go back, you know, now or in a couple of years or whatever, and 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 try to figure out what exactly it is that that Bill Belichick had figured out um, that, that allowed him to do that because it just it shouldn't be possible. Here, this is this is a way for your next book. I'm going to give it to you because there's no way I would ever write it. It start this year started in the AFC Championship game last year. To me, the not having stuff ready to go for two point conversions, only having really one guy to throw the ball to at that point because you know Edelman had been hurt going into that week and go. By the way, you know who caused that that foot injury that he got last year? You ready for this? I don't. I was at the game when it happened. It was that dope. Odell Beckham Jr. Now, how's that? All right, so Edelman's back there receiving punts during warm-ups. And Odell goes sprinting across the field to go say hello to Brady. And he makes Edelman cut when he wasn't expecting to cut. Kind of pulled up limpy there. And you're like, ah, maybe it's just a hamstring or something, nothing big. What's the play, in my opinion, that broke his foot? He goes, That's Odell, an interesting go observation. Beg him for a jersey. Right. Yeah, because these guys with these jerseys, chain taking their jerseys off after the game I, is disgusting to me, but that's a whole other story. Hate it in soccer, and I really hate it in the NFL. But that whole thing started there, and that's why you saw them make the trade for Marty Bennett, who through and through is a Patriot. I mean, I I really hope that that's a guy who Bill says, all right, we'll pay to keep just because hamburger helper hands can't stay healthy every year. And maybe not even play Gronk the first part of the season just to keep him healthy because I tell you, you have Gronk in that game? We're not even talking about a comeback. We're talking about an absolute whooping. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, you, you you one worries about this guy. He's just such a phenomenal football player. But uh, has he played? I think he's played one sixteen-game season in his career. Right, eleven was the only time I think he ever started sixteen games. Anyway. You know, and the other thing that he's got to do is he's just got to become more flexible. I think that's his biggest problem. Now, mind you, I'm a fat guy, and, you know, I, I'm the last person to be talking about people who are in tremendous shape. I think he needs to become more flexible because it, it seems like every time there's an injury to him, it's because it's he's just too bulky. I mean, he had problems this year. I mean, you could tell he wasn't running well. Yeah, well, there's he also needs to sometimes just take a tackle. Yeah. Because I feel like he yeah, gets hurt there's nothing. struggling for a couple extra yards. You know, if you've picked up 17, you don't need to make it 20. Well, he's got you know, unless that's the difference between the first down and it's a, it's a big game, right? But Yeah. But I think that's Gronk's biggest problem. I think he's just too bulky, which it's hard to say to him because the guy's a workout freak. Yeah. He's probably working out now if he's not – Guzzling beers and spiking them on the parade ground. 
But yeah, but I don't so know about I, Marty Bennett. He was. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead with Marty. Yeah, Marty is. He's another character. Yeah, I loved. You know, he was. He was a. Uh, he's a great personality and 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 a great player. And I think he played uh, more injured than uh, that than people realize right now. Um, but he's also said some things in the last couple of days that make me think um, Marty's going to be playing somewhere else next year. That's always the risk you run when guys, all they want is that ring, and now it's like, oh, now, and I heard the same thing about getting paid. Yeah. But, you know, I really hope they bring him back, but you never know if you could find a cheaper option. But we saw how that went with Scott Chandler, and that didn't work. Right. Right, although, so, you know, this is a, as far as I – look, I, I, I'm not a college football guy, right? I mean, I watch a little bit of mm-hmm. it, but, not you know, not enough to have any idea. And, and uh, But what I keep hearing about is that this, this draft is uh, is pretty rich with tight ends. So um, there may be some options there. Yeah. Well, there's been a couple times where it's been rich with tight ends, and they just seem to never pull the trigger on it. I thought uh, Jesse James, when he was coming out of Penn State, coming out of a Bill – Bill uh, O'Brien's system would have been a perfect fit, but that's why they don't pay me to do it because I would draft everybody from Penn State, it feels like lately. Because they, especially these kids that played in the post paterno years, because they played with a ton of adversity and they're already ready for going into the hellhole that is adversity. I mean, Gillette, when you have the league coming after you every chance they get. But, Sean, uh, so Tom Brady versus the NFL is now in its second revision, which I'm sure there'll be a third one coming up because, well, he wrote, broke a bunch of more records. He did. He did. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we put out the second edition. Uh, the first edition came out in 2012. Um, and so, and I kept bugging Triumph Books. That's my publisher to to, to let me do a second edition. Um, and then finally, after Super Bowl Forty Nine, uh, they said, "Yeah, we got to do it now." Um, so we did that. That came out in in September. I, we're not gonna. I don't see us doing a, a, another edition uh, right away. Um, I, I ha- I've been talking to them about ways to make sure we incorporate this this Super Bowl, and and we're going to figure something out. Um, it might be that uh, you know I write that stuff, and it's available uh, as a digital download with with uh, with a purchase of the book um, or something like that. And then I I hope that we're going to do a third edition, um, and I but I would expect it will be probably after um, after all is said and done for Tom. Uh, you know, unless we run out of copies of this one, in which case maybe something else will happen. But, um, uh, you know, this guy, he you can't keep up with him. Um, uh, every time I put out one of these editions, you know, he plays like two games, one game. And and it's all, uh, you know, obviously everything would be out of date after one game, but it's it's hopelessly out of date because this guy, uh, he, he puts up numbers like, um, like it's nobody's business. Yeah, you know what? It's the worst thing to have in your quarterback that he's that good every year. <laughs> wrong, like yeah. For you guys, I mean, for you and, and for Bobby Hildebert, I mean, you guys, for writing anything Patriot-related in this time frame, it's just, oh, hum, Brady broke another record. Oh, hum, he's got another pass reception. You know, it's, it's just stuff like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at some point in the 2017 season, some point early in the 2017 season, he's going to get to his 187th regular season win. And I think people get excited about that. Um, but then you get into this, after that, you get into this long stretch where, you know, he's going to keep putting up yards and, and, and making completions and, and, uh, and throwing touchdowns and all that stuff. Right. But you get into this stretch where, um, he's going to, he's going to, uh, move up past Marino on the leaderboards that where he's still behind him. Um, and then it's, it's, uh, it's, he's got a ways to go, like a couple seasons to go before he starts catching up with, with Favre and, and, uh, Manning on the volume stats. And, and, I think that's when it gets real interesting uh, uh, for me because I, I got to find other things to, uh, to to celebrate and to uh, and, and to, to mark. Now, of course, you know there, there's always a postseason, and 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 every pass he throws in the postseason at this point, every yard he throws for is a, is a new record. So so that's always fun. Um, and and you know one can one doesn't want to be in a position of complaining too much about wins and 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 and, and records and all that stuff, right? Because you know we yeah. should all we should all be so unfortunate as to have to to to, to keep up with that stuff. But um, but we do um, we do enter a period uh, maybe four or five weeks into the season um, where, where there's uh, where there's not a lot of milestones for him to hit for a little while. Oh man, that, that's terrible for you. But it's always good, Bobby. Who? All right, so we'll do a little bit of crossover. Mr. Bob Hildeberg, the author of Total Patriots. I mean, you guys are good friends, so I, I'll just let you guys talk. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? It's been too long. Yeah, I know it. I, I missed one or two of your appointments uh, out in this area, outside of Boston, this year. I'm sorry for that, but. Uh, uh, nice to nice to hear you, and uh, I'm glad your 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 book's doing well. I just posted some stuff inside that we uh, connected on Twitter and Facebook a few minutes ago. So, hey George, how you doing? I'm good. I, I mean, I could just sit here and listen to you guys talk about Patriots and Tom Brady. I mean, it's, <laughs> if you don't know the well, story, I mean, the interesting Bob, thing that, that I've had. I mean, my book's been out uh, eight years now or seven years, whatever it's been, and. And the ups and downs of some of the reactions. I mean, I, I've had people when when this whole deflate gate was going on. That I'm doing book signings and people are coming up to me and they and they hate Tom Brady and they're spitting at the book and you know and they're you know vulgar and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, geez, <laughs> I spent a lot of time putting this together and uh, you, you know you couldn't be more rude to me, you know. And what did I do, you know? <laughs> and then you know, and then now all of a sudden Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback and and Sean's book is is going through the roof and now you can't buy my book so uh it's it's crazy emotions of these uh fans out there all over the world you know get me their phone numbers I will call them on the show and land <laughs> them for you I know you guys can do that but that's what I'm here for all the dopes that give you guys crap on Twitter and Facebook just just forward them over to me I'll take care of them for you That'll I mean, you ran that. into that once, didn't you, Sean? I think we talked about that, right? R- ran into people being upset about. I bought your book, and then turned it back in, or something at the. Oh yeah, that was a that was sort of a, that wasn't about a guy who was angry at at Brady or anything though. That was just that was a guy who uh, that was a crazy situation where <laughs> you know guy uh, had his 
you know, I watch this guy talk to his kid. The kid comes up to me at a, at a signing, uh, get, gets me to personalize a copy of the book for him, and you know, brings it back over to his dad, and and uh, and I see him look at it, and they're carrying it around the store, and then I, I actually see the guy put the book down on a you know a display table, um, and I think I don't think I, I I can I don't know this because I didn't hear their conversation, but I know what happened. The kid found something he wanted more, and the guy was just going to ditch the book that I personalized for his kids. So I, you know, I, gra- I, I kept an eye on them, and I saw them heading for the register, and they didn't have the book, so I went and grabbed it off the display table, brought it up to the guy, and said, "Hey, this, you know, I, I you know, I signed this book for your kid, and he, you know, he feigned, uh, you know, <laughs> surprise at it, like, oh, you know, I didn't know it, and like I knew he knew because I, 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 I watched the whole thing, um, and, and and you know, I shamed him into buying the book. Um, it's you know." That's that's a crazy. That's I don't even know how to explain behavior like that. Right, right. Like, what are you teaching your kid in that situation? I mean, my book was in the no, pro shop when it first came out, and I was in the pro shop, and I just happened to pop in, and there were people reading my book, and and I was going over to them, and you know, what do you think, and how long you been a fan, and oh, I love this, this is unbelievable, and they put the book down and they walk out of the store, and I'm like. Um, you know, I just had a 10-minute conversation with the guy, and I'm telling him the, some of the stories of how I come up with the stories and giving this guy a nice – and he just puts the book away and walks away. And I was like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Well, in that defense, that book is heavy to carry around inside the game. <laughs> Maybe he did go back and buy it after the game, Bob. I mean, your book is the Encyclopedia Britannica on the Patriots. Yeah, it's five pounds. I understand that. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, I mean, but some of the some of the people that I've connected, you know, on Facebook. Um, I mean, I have a just a quick crazy story. I'm visiting uh, my son who lives in San Diego, and I just happened to post on Facebook that I had a book signing here in Boston a few days later. And I just 11:30, and it was a Tuesday afternoon or something, and we were out there from San Diego for the week, and I says. Geez, I hope I can see a few fans on Saturday afternoon in Weymouth. And five minutes later, I got a, a message on Facebook and says, are you ever in San Diego? I have your book. Uh, maybe you can come out to San Diego and sign it. And I, I had no idea that, you know, I don't know if she knew that I was in San Diego or not, but I says, yeah, I'm in San Diego right now. And she went home and got dressed and put on her Patriot stuff and her beads and came over to my son's apartment and, as he was pulling in to, to uh, pick us up to take us for lunch, he, she's out in the front yard, and he takes a picture of us, and we've been friends ever since, you know. Um, so Facebook has been just fantastic to, to meet fans out there, you know. You don't want to meet all the fans. I mean, there are people who sit there and get get on uh, Sean's case, because I saw you post that one today. Oh, the, the <laughs> thing with... <laughs> I'm sorry? The pink hat's just... The pink hats that are, are Patriot fans uh, are, like, incredible because they just don't get – like, they think that they're doing a service to other pink hat fans that – he said something bad about Tom Brady. Let's lynch him. Sorry. I didn't break the accent out good enough there. You, you're talking about this Rogers thing? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about, George, that I did today? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, this, I've seen it. it's just, it's astounding to me how 
I, I just can't get over the stupidity of people. I mean, I, I posted, <laughs> a, a, I, I, I did a post that that was, to my mind, and and I think you know, to anybody who's actually thinking it through, it's very clear that I'm making fun of. Um, you know the people who, who continue to say Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I, you know, I don't know, Bob. You might not have seen it. I've got this post up that, that talks about, oh, you know, it, don't don't get so excited, Patriots fans. All all Rodgers needs to do is is uh, you know to match Brady by the same age by 39 because he's 33 now. Is you know win is you know take the Packers to the next six Super Bowls and win at least four of them. And you know he's I keep hearing about how great he is, so that should be no problem for him, right? And and most people. A lot of people got it, but there's this whole group of people who are like all over me, like you're stupid. You can, you really think Britt Rogers is going to do that? Well, no, of course I don't. Like how, how do you how do you read that thing and not understand what I'm saying? It's crazy to me. Sean, now yeah, I you love can it. I love see it. how the people who voted for Donald Trump see Obama. Yeah, this is how it goes. It's this is how, like this is the same people that are protesting everything before the guy does a thing. Does a thing. Now you see how it is. I mean, these people. Are well, not, people just like the wine too. I mean, that's part of it too. They. Oh well, yeah, well. You know. They need a yeah, and I think, and that's fine. You know, if you got a vent, you got a vent. You know. Yeah, I, and I think some of it with that with the reaction to this post is that people don't actually read the thing. They just see some, you know, no. like the, the the first part of it says, "Hey, don't get so excited. Aaron Rodgers is still better," and they don't read through to see me, you know, making fun of the guy. They're just uh, they, they're yeah. ready to be upset. No. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, somebody asked me the other night uh, on the show, and they said they called and said, "Well, you know." Why are you Patriot fans so miserable about winning all the time? I just wanted to say it's because assholes like you keep calling in telling us why we're miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're the people that sit there and start going, well, aren't you upset that Devin McCourty's not? Who cares? Like, when did going to the White House become such a big thing? Oh, this person's not going. Okay, Tim Thomas didn't go. And that was a story. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know. Or, or you know, it's just it's the stupidity and the stupid stuff, and it's the little stuff. You know, like my father-in-law is a Jets fan. That poor miserable bastard, <laughs> because he'll never see the Jets win in his lifetime. As long as Tom Brady's playing, this is probably the reason I like Tom Brady even more, is because well, the Jets keep losing. <laughs> so, as long, look, when you live in this area, you gotta understand, Jet fans are miserable people. They, oh, I would think the, the Eagles fans are too, and, and and you know some of the teams. I mean, you know, you look at you know where we came from, and and then I mean, Sean goes back with some of his books too, you know, and one of his first books was just you know being a fan of the Patriots. But I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, the Boston Patriots. I mean, look at where we've come from, and I mean, I look at what Boston has done the last fifteen years, and they have something on the uh, Super Bowl, one hundred and seventeen. Uh, you know, championships or something like that, whatever the number was with all the major sports. Um, you know, and Atlanta had one, you know. <laughs> um, we're just blessed right now with what's going on here in sports in Boston the last 20 years. You know, you guys, of course, grew into this. I grew up with this. You know, living in New Jersey, being so upset that the Giants got rid of Phil Simms that I became a Patriot fan in 93. After the 93 season. So 94 was my first year of being a Pats fan. Yeah, those old days 
when, you know, most people still rooted for the Giants up there because they were the only NFL team where we had the AFC team. And then the Giants became like their NFC team. And then, well, with the Super Bowls, that kind of changed everything. But do you you just sit there and go, wow, what? Now you know how the Yankees feel. Now, like, as much as you hated the Yankees, now you know how Yankee fans felt in the late 90s and the whole entire existence of the Yankees. The Patriots have become the Yankees. Yeah, but do we, I mean, do we have superstar players? We have the superstar player in the league. We don't need anybody yeah, else. Yeah, and the but, superstar oh. coach. I mean, I understand, you, and the, the owner. <laughs> you got to give him some kudos too. You know. Yeah, that's why I hate that whole Belichick Brady argument. I, I always look at Mr. Kraft. I think without Bob Kraft, <laughs> they're in St. Louis. But without him, none of this is possible. And I think he doesn't get as much. And, and maybe he doesn't want the credit, and he want and he keeps putting it on the players. But that guy's got to get. When does he go to the Hall of Fame? Because Jerry Jones no, he'll get there. Man. Right. Oh, yeah. he'll, he'll get there. It took him a while to get it right, though. You know, it's not like he walked in and 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 uh, immediately got uh, got everything right. He he and uh, he he had some he had some missteps. No, sure. It took him about well at least seven <laughs> eight years, years anyway. to hire Belichick. Yeah. Yep. Figure he bought the team in '94. Yep. Parcells didn't help out the situation. Couldn't really hire Bill then. Can you imagine if he had hired Bill right away instead of letting him go to the Jets for that year or those three years? Right. What well, kind of run would the pass be on now? Or he fires Belichick because they weren't that good then either. I mean, they just came on the Super Bowl, but they weren't tremendous. Right. Well, and you know, Tom Brady was still playing in college at that point, so it's uh, you right. know, yeah. th- those two had to come together, and and there's there's no small amount of uh, of good fortune involved in that. Yeah, I'm 199th pick. He'll never let you forget about that. You know, it's not like he was uh, mm-hmm. a Drew Bledsoe number one pick either. You know. Right. So I mean, yeah, no question, fortune, and and I mean. You look at some of the things that have broken our way. I mean, that Edelman catch, you know, how fortunate is that? You know, an inch or two here or there, or the guy's foot's not there, or it is there, you know. Right. You know, those are things that, I mean, but, you, know, you break down this game, and, you know, Sean mentioned uh, earlier, you know, what could have happened, but you look at all the things that actually had to happen when it was 99 point whatever percent it was. They had to get the strip sack. They had to get this. They had to get the, <laughs> the holding penalty. They had to get this. They had... <laughs> You know, so many things that two-point conversion twice in one game. I mean, I mean, how did, I'm just amazed that how did they not know that? I mean, that Brady fake with the Kevin Falk thing. I mean, that was just like everyone knew here. It was like, all right, they got to do that. Find me, Kevin Falk yeah, plays coming up. Person, and, yeah, find me the person that didn't yell at the top of their lungs watching that game, going, "Here comes the Kevin Falk play," which we haven't seen in three years. I mean, right. when was the last time we ran that? It's been a while, yeah. And, and and Brady does an unbelievable fake every time. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> it was he, just, he sells that you love fake it. better than anybody else I've ever seen. No. That fake, the fake he plays on that, I don't think you could ever teach. I, I just think it's that good, and it's it's unbelievable how good he is at that, that fake. And, and you go back to, like, 14 when they won the Super Bowl with the um, Edelman double pass. 
right. know, and you watch the that great Patriot porn that was, you know, do your job, where they're talking about, well, if we had called that then, we couldn't have called it then because they would have had it on tape. So it's kudos to Danny Amendola, who really, in the two Super Bowls that Amendola's played in, he doesn't get enough credit for how good a game he's had. Oh, yeah, and Malcolm Mitchell, I mean, everyone stepped up. And Hogan, I mean, you look at how Brady spread the ball around and, you know, I mean, this whole Kevin Falk and Shane Vereen and uh, James White. I mean, James White scored 20 points in the game. <laughs> you know how many guys have done that in the history of the Patriots? Two other guys, <laughs> you know. See, um, this is why I love amazing. having you on, Bob, because I knew you would know that. Who were the other two guys? In, in any game, Bob? Yeah, Curtis Martin did it once, and Gino Capaletti did it uh, six times. But That's back incredible. when he was kicking, but, you know. <laughs> And this is why when you're friends with Bob Hildberg, you never have to ask a Patriot question ever. You just that's <laughs> you know the answer. He, he, he answers them before you think of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bob, it was funny. I, I was talking to Bob before, and I said, well, how many pick sixes has Brady had? And uh, I found out the answer. It was 13. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not that many. the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. And, and he had two last year. Against Indy, or he had one against Indy and one against Philly last year, but they are very spread out. I mean, I love the stat during the game. Up. You know, ninety-three to nothing, whatever the you know the teams were, you know, winning, and it was like ninety-three to nothing. I was like, all right, that sounds like the two thousand four Red Sox. All right, we can do this. You know, <laughs> you know. All right, you just gave us a challenge. All right, you know. <laughs> but like. You had to bring up that series, didn't you, Bob? You had to. Forget <laughs> the fact that George is a Yankee fan. Um, but that's what it felt like. It felt like, you know, all right, it's, you know, the odds are against us. But, you know, the Red Sox did it. Ortiz can do it. I've seen Bird do it. You know, it's time for Tom Brady to do it. You know? I mean, that was, his, what was that his Havlicek stole the ball moment? Well, I mean, that was just a play that, you know, deflected off the wire. But it was, you know, he saved Bill Russell's uh, rear end with that. But, um, but I mean, you know, I've been to enough games to know, you know, especially that Baltimore game a couple of years ago in the playoffs that were down by 14 twice. Like, don't give yeah. up on these guys. You know, you play 60 minutes and there's still 35 seconds left. Anything can happen, you know, whatever, how much time was left, you know. You just never yeah, give up. I threw that out. I threw it out to somebody. That reminded me a lot of that Denver game in, like, what was it, 2012? Was it the first year without Welker? I guess 2013, maybe. Where Welker dropped the punt in overtime. But they came back yep. in that game because, you know, Stephen Ridley couldn't hold on to the ball. Oh, where is he playing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm another NFL team, and let me, I'll ask you guys this. And if I'm another NFL team, do I ever take a guy the Patriots get rid of? Have any of them done a thing after they left New England? Um, not that I can think of. I mean, who, who else has done much? I mean, Richard Seymour maybe a little bit, but um, in Oakland, and who cares? You know, um, I don't know. Patton had some uh, had some success, didn't he? Ty Law maybe a little bit, but um, I mean, I mean, who else went on and won? Samuel did nothing in Philly. 
You know, I mean, Ben Watson maybe a little bit, but I don't know. <clears throat> ben Watson wasn't good with the Patriots, though. So. Anyway, he no, did have I mean, yeah. one play. He had that one play where he got Champ Bailey, but, you know. <laughs> where Champ Bailey stepped out of bounds earlier than that. Yeah, right. That game still – I mean, that game still sticks in my car. That may be the worst loss I can remember. Take away the two Super Bowl losses. But that one still bites, you know, bites on my heels. Yeah. No, I um, always go back to the uh, to the 06 AFC Championship. That one, That one still kills me that they managed to lose that game. Well, you have to talk to Roosevelt Colvin about that game. <laughs> he will tell you, and because he, he did it on the air here, because I asked him specifically about that game. I said, "What happened in that second half?" And he says, "You know, we all had, a bunch of guys had the flu. We got into that locker room, and it was five thousand degrees in there." No, but Indianapolis is holier than now. They don't cheat. Tony Dungy doesn't cheat. No. No, no. Uh, no, no. Tony Dungy? No way. He's a preacher. No, he, he would never do that. No, okay. Yeah. Okay. Eric, Eric Alexander recovers that fumble. You know, it's a different story, too, you know? Yeah. You know? I mean, I try to forget that game. Because I think at halftime, I'm parading around going, we're going to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> Another game that led them to glory. Sort of, because that set up the bringing in Rand. I, you know what? I think if they lose that game, they never go undefeated the next year. If they, I'm sorry, if they win that game, they don't ever go undefeated because then they're like, all right, well, our way of getting keeping crappy wide receivers here with the greatest <laughs> quarterback of all time. Right. <laughs> well, that's why you love football. But, Anything can happen. Yeah. yeah. You could be down 24, 25 points in the second half of the Super Bowl and win. <laughs> Never oh. give up. I mean, it's great lessons for kids, though, you know? Yeah. Well, that and the fact that you have to have the greatest quarterback of all time to pull it off. I mean, Eli Manning's not pulling it off. No. <laughs> but it's still team epic. I mean, Alan Branch and Chris Long. I mean, there's still, yeah. still some other guys that made plays, you know? Yeah. Um, Dante Hightower had a hell of a game. All right, so I've got a question with you guys. When when you're watching the game, I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm watching the game is count how many mistakes the other team or, or for that matter, any team makes. Dumb mistakes, you know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you add them up and say, oh, okay, you know, is it three, is it four? All right, so they've made four, we've made two, that kind of thing. Um how many mistakes did, did Atlanta make versus the Patriots? I mean, other than certainly the pick six and the, and the turnovers, but um, that was that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking for when I'm analyzing the game. What, what do you guys watch when when you're watching the game? Oh, I'm always watching my right hand because if it's the beer's empty, I'm really upset. Usually, <laughs> um, if I'm out of Sam Adams, it's not a good thing. Um, I thought Atlanta kicking off in the first half lost them the game. I thought that was a huge mistake. Of course, granted, it, it didn't do anything because the Patriots went with three and out or right. four and out or whatever it was. But to me, I remember that giant Raven Super Bowl where the Giants had just came off that game, you know, that win 45 
41 nothing or whatever it was. But they, their defense was definitely the stronger part of that team. The offense just had a great day. I always thought the Giants should have played defense first just to sort their, sort their authority on that side of the ball because we all knew Baltimore's defense wasn't that good. I think when one of your team, one of your, of the three phases of the game are stronger, I think you have to play to your strength, especially if you win the toss. And I thought Atlanta should have came out and put their offense on the field first. Yeah, come out firing, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, you know, how much did they run out of gas? I mean, they they talked a little bit about that, um, you know, half-hour, halftime show rather than, you know, the, the 10 or 12 minutes typically. Um, yeah. How much did that affect, the fact, you know, one team versus another? You know? Yeah, it didn't affect their offense was on the field for, what, an hour and 15 minutes of real time? Yeah, we had just about twice as many uh, offensive plays. They had 46, we had 93, so, yeah. Uh, I think we had, yeah, no, we had 99 if we include the six penalties. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, right? <laughs> So. The thing that I count, Bob, is is uh, is dropbacks and 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 pass attempts. You know, uh, and and I I tend to chronicle the the attempts, but I really, you know, you start getting up past forty five dropbacks, and I start to get real nervous because you just don't win games throwing the football that that often. I, and I'm not one of you know don't don't mistake me for you know. Um, for the you know the reincarnation of Woody Hayes, I'm not that guy. I love the passing right. game and, and it works real well. But you know, it, just if you look at numbers, um, you, you get to the point where you you know at 60 is really the you, you throw the ball 60 times, and that's one of the crazy things about this Super Bowl to me, right? You throw the ball 60 times in an NFL game, and and you pretty much always lose. You know, I I, I uh, with that Super Bowl result, right? The quarterbacks throwing the, the the teams whose quarterbacks throw the ball sixty more times in a in a game are eight and forty nine all time. Um, you know, no one's obviously ever done it in the Super Bowl. Almost no one's ever done it in the in the in the postseason. Um, right. And so, uh, when when you, when a game gets into particularly in the you know in the third late in the third quarter in the fourth, um, if it's a if it's a tight game. Um, I'm really looking at how many times each quarterback has thrown the ball, and if, and if one of them is getting up into the high 40s and 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 getting close to 50, something, and that that team is going to find a way to lose this game. Yeah, and that's part of it. But I I think I saw a stat sometime that you know the quarterbacks that throw for more than 400 yards in a game or something along those lines, like you said, 40 or 45 attempts, um, the numbers were like 20% winning percentage with just about every quarterback out there in the history of the league. And Brady was like substantially, you know, like, I don't know, 75%. It was just like five times better than the history of the league when he throws a certain number of passes or for that matter throws a certain number of yards. And you look at some of these plays, you know, they're just five-yard passes and seven-yard passes. It's more like a running play. Right. Um, Because he's more, you know, all right, whoever's open. (laughs) If this guy's open, this guy's got an advantage. He's going against a linebacker or a defensive end, or if he's just swinging out of the backfield, that's where he'll just pick you to death, you know? Yeah. And other quarterbacks couldn't do that. Peyton Manning had a long, long time learning curve before he figured that out, you know? 
and some of the right. other quarterbacks don't do that. No. Yeah, well, Manning, uh, even mid-career, you'd say, you know, he'd get late in the game if he'd thrown too many passes. He'd be, um, he, he'd be, uh, he'd be throwing up some ducks, and and you know, last right. year obviously was the was the worst of it. But yeah, right. in this Super Bowl, uh, you know, it's it's late in the game, and and Brady's you know heading for sixty, and then up over sixty uh, uh, attempts, and he's still throwing bullets, and it's uh, it's just at age thirty nine, just amazing to see, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know. He's saying that he's throwing it better than he was when he was 29. Whatever his mechanics are, and he's not his shoulder. I mean, his, his for 10 years, you know, he was questionable because of his shoulder. You know, every single game, and now whatever he's doing, um, he's got more fluidity or you know, flexibility or whatever you want to call it. But uh, he's just firing it in there at 39 years old, which is absolutely amazing. Who else ran out and bought avocado ice cream after this? <laughs> hey, I can only take it so far, George. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it, I'm sorry, but the whole avocado ice cream thing kind of works for me. Um, if that's the reason why it is. I mean, I, it, it's it's funny to, to joke about it, but the avocado ice cream does work. It, it's got to be. It, it's, you know, here's a guy who takes... Probably as good a shape as anybody in his, uh, you know, just in everything. And then he, it, the proof's in the pudding on the field every year. You're not supposed to get better as you get older, unless you're Barry Bonds. And I don't think Brady's doing that stuff. So, how many more years of this does every other team in the NFL have to deal with? Well, a couple more, anyways. We hope. I don't want it. I hope he just when it it getting. I hope he doesn't hung. I don't want to see him hang on. I don't want to see him turn to Peyton Manning for the stats that he's close to. You know, I I just want to see him when the time is right to say, you know what. I've left this team in good enough shape. Jimmy Garoppolo can play quarterback. But I don't think that could go anywhere. But that's just me. All right, I'm Sean. I'm, I'm seeing your thing on uh, Aaron Rodgers now. It's pretty cool. I'm going to share that on Facebook now, too. <laughs> Be ready for <laughs> your people to get angry with you. <laughs> so, all right. We can take it. <laughs> but does anybody... Stephen, I'll ask you that too. Does anybody see Jimmy Garoppolo not being here next year? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't see him yet. I'm the only crazy one. I right, I like that. Well, you know, you can't keep him long term unless you're going to turn the team over to him, and and they're not going to do that. And and so you got to get some value for him when you while you can, I think. And particularly yeah. if they feel like you know Jacoby is ready to be the backup, um, and you can get a it sounds like they're going to get a first-round draft pick for the kid. I, I don't know how you turn that down. Right. I agree. Which we all know with Bill. Bill will turn that into like a 14th-round pick in 12 years. I, just, I'm afraid of Belichick getting that pick. I really am. Like, I'm afraid of him getting it because of the fact that he trades it away every year. I mean, all right. So I got, I got a quick Jacoby Brissett story. 
So I, I had a chance to spend some time with him and um, when he was injured. And, and uh, I says, you know, what was it like to, going out there? He says, so I ran on the field, you know, after uh, Jimmy gets hurt. And uh, I'm standing, and everyone's cheering for me, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I look at the clock, and there's like seven seconds left, and he looks, and they said, what are you going to call? He says, I don't know. He says, I forgot the play. <laughs> and he looks over to the sidelines, and they're frantically, you know, giving him the signals. Okay, I know what to do now. And then he get on the play. But for a second there, he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually on the field, and there's 70,000 people screaming at me. I'm on, what do I do, you know? But uh, he put his act together and uh, went out and did what he was supposed to do. But, you know, I'm sure that could be pretty overwhelming, you know? Uh, no doubt. You know? <laughs> I, I, I just love the fact that you got that story out of them. Like, they're, they're not supposed to say that in New England. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're not allowed to talk like that. Well, he was, he was pretty open. Yeah, he was a good kid, you know? <laughs> he seems like it. I, I think this whole wolf pack thing with him and Brady and, 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 uh, and Jimmy is going to be good for You know, I think next year is the year they may move. I I don't think they're going to give him a full year, just in case. I mean, is Jacoby Brissett really ready to be the starting quarterback here if the unforeseen, ungodly thing happens? Well, we'll, we'll have to see. You know. Or maybe Tommy's full of this. Maybe Tommy's going to go, you know, if we win next year, I'm gone. The whole same agent thing may help out. Just keeping Jimmy here or wherever may happen. I'm almost okay with letting him be the quarterback, though, whenever Tommy decides to hang him up. It's crazy. Oh, Garoppolo? Yeah. I mean, if you're him, why would you sit there and say, I want to go to Cleveland? Well, well because Jimmy- you want a chance to start. James Collins got fifty million bucks, so I mean I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much is he's gonna make out of that, but you know. I mean it's yeah. not like no, the situation Rodgers had where you know where you know, Favre was winding down and they were getting tired of Favre and and you knew you were gonna have a chance to take over whether the guy retired or not. I mean, this is a situation where uh, you know, Brady is playing at an incredibly high level. You it might be you might be six Eight years in the league before you get a chance to start. I, I don't know that you can. Um, I, I don't know that you can convince a player uh, who's capable, who knows he's capable of playing at a high level, uh, to to wait that long for it. Yep, I agree. You know, these guys get to where they're at because they're they're incredible competitors. Uh, they, you know, they, he he doesn't want to sit. No. No, but. If you could sit behind Tom Brady and just get like his crumbs, I don't think that's a bad option either. Right. I mean, no, I think it's great for the he, next guy. Yeah. Is he single? I mean, maybe Giselle could hook him up with somebody. And you know, <laughs> I, I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I would be like, you know, if I wasn't married, I'd be like, sure, sure, Giselle, let's go. Help me out. <laughs> And again, that's why I'm not a professional athlete, because that's the way I think. That's it. <laughs> well, Danny Amendola is doing all right, right? Yeah, he's not even that good. He And he's doing, oh, see, 
See what happens when you hang out with Tom Brady and Giselle. You all you have to do is pick up the scraps. <laughs> I don't know that scrap though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, compared to what the quarterback in Edelman stayed in, you know. Again, I don't remember she was tender for a while there. Um, last question for you guys: Do they repeat next year? And will we ever have a Super Bowl? Oh, no, let me change this back. Will we ever have a Super Bowl that in the second half we're not biting our fingernails off? I thought it was this year, but I guess not. Uh, I mean, geez, they didn't even leave for one second, and they still won the game. So, I mean, that's um, – I hope so. I hope, you know, when Gronk comes back and maybe we, you know – Get even stronger on defense. I mean, what's happening with Hightower? I mean, that's a, that's a key play right there. You know, uh, you know they're going to franchise him for one year. We get, I mean, he made the play of the game. I thought, you know, so I don't know. Let's just enjoy the journey. Let's see what happens. But you know, this, they're one of the favorites again going in next year. So, yeah, Sean, I was think? thinking about it. I was thinking about it as I was clearing my driveway tonight, this very question, uh, you know, uh, and where it came to it was what, what's left for us to get from this team in the Super Bowl? And, and the answer that I came up with is, you know, a game that, right, a game that, 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 they, that they take over early and, and uh, where we can just sort of sit back and have a party. And I've been waiting for that for a long time. It's, uh, it didn't seem yeah, like right. it's ever going to – but there's nothing left for them to do in that game, right? That's, that's it. So yep. yeah, I, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm predicting right now they go back next year and 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 they and and they beat the crap out of whatever <laughs> NFC team is because my heart can't take it if they don't. <laughs> no, I was starting to yeah, take like bare. Yep. I was taking low dose bare aspirins at one point. Um, but gentlemen, it, it was great having you guys on. We have to do this more often, not just when the Patriots win, even though it seems like a yearly occurrence. Yeah, it was fun. Right. Nice to talk to you, Sean. I hope things are well. I hope to see you later in the year. Same, same here, Bob. I, uh, I, we'll definitely see each other, I hope, pretty soon. And Yep. Yeah. Good talking to you anyway. Thanks, well, Jordan. Yeah, for having best of your family. Yep. I'll have to get up. Thanks for having us, George. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Well, have a good night. Go Pats. You too. Thanks, Indeed. Bob. Take Pats. care. All right there, Mr. G, and you've waited long enough. <laughs> How's it going, George? Uh, I'm, I'm, it's going well. I, I enjoyed having uh, Sean Glenn and Bob Hildberg on, who have heard great books about the Patriots. You can find us through Triumph book, Books. And anywhere books are sold, just search Patriots books. Stephen, I'm, I'm going to start with you with the same question I asked them. Before we get into anything else. Will we ever win a Super Bowl where we're just going pats by a million and pats actually win by a million so that we don't have to have the heart attack city that we have? Uh, you know, I hope so, but uh, I mean, I think, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh time's a charm. And uh, I think we saw like that stat line where this six point win was the largest margin of victory they've had in every other game. It's been decided by three or four, five points. Uh, I think uh, they just love to save the most dramatic, thrilling games for last. So even though I think we'd all love to see a big blowout, I think uh, part of the Patriots Super Bowl uh, mantra is to keep it close and uh, keep us on our seats. Uh, I know some of us watching certainly probably 
lost a little bit of faith there in the in the first half, but I know I texted with you and uh, we talked a lot about it. We were pretty adamant that we still could keep the faith. And uh, ultimately, I think that little game plan we discussed for that second half ended up kind of coming to fruition. I think we talked a lot about James White uh, using him in the flats and uh, as a receiver, and I, that's exactly what happened. I mean, they, they really stuck to their game plan. I mean, they were moving the ball, but I know we'll, we'll probably delve a little bit more into the game itself. Uh, but, you know, as much as we'd love to see a blowout, I don't think it's going to happen just because these games are so competitive uh, from both sides. Don't you love how smart we both are? Because we both said that at halftime. Like, we're not really losing this game. We're just not making enough plays to win. Unfortunately for us, we were right. Yeah, and I mean, when you look back at the game, I mean, you look at drive by drive. For the most part, the Pats had really no problem moving the ball in the first half. Uh, the defense was playing well in the first quarter. I mean, at the at the end of the first quarter, it's a 0-0 game. And I think any day that happens, especially considering that offense they were going up against, I think we would have called that a win. Now, the problem was they were turning the ball over and not finishing drives. You know, LeGarrette Blunt's fumble was killer. Brady's pick six, obviously. Um, but they were moving the ball fairly consistently. You could tell early on that they were going to be able to attack Atlanta's secondary. The problem was that they were kind of flying all over the place, uh, limiting some of the yards after catch in the offensive line. Yet again in the Super Bowl kind of gave us another poor performance, which, you know, this year we kind of expected the offensive line to finally step up since they had done so all season. Yet again, they were overmatched. And it was a little disappointing considering I don't think Atlanta's defensive line is actually very talented besides Grady Jarrett and maybe Beasley, but he was shut down as we predicted. Um, but, I mean, they, they were really attacking Atlanta's um, defense fairly well and they just stayed patient with their approach and I think that's really the hallmark of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady even Josh McDaniels if you saw the uh, NFL sound effects last night which yielded some great little snippets there from Edelman and Hightower and and McDaniels and he was just telling uh, his group of running backs at halftime just keep doing what you're doing we don't need you to win the game on one play Um, I won't like ask you to do anything that you're not capable of and that's really the the whole system is to do your job and, and do what's asked of you and I think Everyone stuck to that plan. You saw the receivers step up in the second half. The, the drops went away. Offensive line still gave up a few sacks, but when you're dropping back, you know, 60-plus times, you know, that's not too bad when they, when they settled down in the fourth quarter in overtime. You know, Brady finally was hitting some ridiculous throws, uh, and everyone seemed to just buckle down and do their job, just like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick preached. And uh, I think that really is what made the difference is just keeping the faith, the focus, and the belief to win. I think that really is such an underrated part of their team, um, even in the face of adversity. I think that's what makes Tom Brady the greatest of all time, and I think Bill Belichick, the greatest coach, is that his team always has a belief because they have a system and they have leaders in place that really, uh, you know, keep guys up even in the, you know, in a time where most teams would have checked out. Let me throw these two numbers at you, talking about pressure with the defensive line or the offensive line. The first half, Pressure stat on Brady was 67%, 667.8 or something. In the second half, Steve, it was 17.7. Yep. So for the entire game, you were like right under 40, and if you're over 40, technically it's not a good sign yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, everybody makes this big deal about Atlanta running the ball, and why didn't they run the ball late in the game? 
I can tell you why they didn't run the ball away in the game. Because they didn't have any faith in them. At the end of the day, they had no faith in their running backs. And why would you have? When you, like you said, you look at the drive charts and you break them down, right? They ran the ball in the game 18 times for, what was it, 104 yards or so, right? 18 for 104. I guess I think that was the number. They had uh, four negative runs in the third. Out of the eight times they carried the ball in the third quarter, they have four negative or zero-yard runs. Uh, one, two, two yards, of, two, two carries of less than two yards. And they only had more than that twice. So they had nine. And yeah, eight. and also consider that uh, of that 104 yards, I think about 40 of it came on the first carry of the game. Yeah, that, that was the other thing. So, So you really take out that. So they were, what, 17 of for 67? They weren't yep. good. And when it came down to it, after they lost Coleman, they were definitely not run the ball. Yep, and they also lost their right tackle during the game as well. And Alex Mack and, was playing on, you know, supposedly uh, chipped bones in his fibula. And you could tell later in the game he you. was getting pushed around. Yeah. So. And that's the thing that I think people are, are reminiscing the thing with T.O. when T.O. played with the broken ankle in that Super Bowl, T.O. had that thing shut up at halftime because you can't shoot up twice. You only get one. You only get to shoot him up once. The fact that they shot him up before the game was dopey. was a dopey decision on his part and their doctor's part. You can't shoot up twice. You can only shoot up once. So once you shot him up, <laughs> that's all you can get. Oh, yep. boy. Oh boy, that that made honestly, and I think that's the biggest reason. And and nobody's talked about that. Nobody's talked about the fact that they didn't run the ball because Alex Mack was getting blown off the line the entire second half. Alan Branch is eating him up like he was Vince Wilfork. Yep, and uh, I believe that sack. that pushed them back to third and long was uh, Trey Flowers directly on Mac too. And he basically just ran right, yep. pushed him back and ran right by him. And the fact that Freeman can't run block to save his life. He can't pass block to save his life. No, he, you could tell he, he claims that he didn't have that assignment. You can tell him he took a look at, at Dante and he just let him run right by him. I mean, he knew he that was his said, assignment. Yeah, I mean, he's like, no, yeah, I'm he, not he was like, I'm not getting blown out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and to me, that's the, the part of that, that that gets lost is, you know, Bob asked the question before, how many negative plays? There was a lot more for Atlanta in the second half than New England had. But I saw in the first half when they kept trying to pound the ball with um, – uh, what do you call it? Um, crap, no, it Freeman. Yeah. He, he, the guy, another guy ran his mouth. But he wasn't effective. He was ain't good. No, and then his touchdown run was, you know, him bouncing it outside, inside, you know, the five-yard line, I mean. But 
for the most part, the defense did a pretty good job shutting them down. And like you said, they kind of wore down Atlanta's offensive line. One guy's already hurt. Another guy gets, uh, leaves and is hurt. Jake Matthews, if you watched, was holding all night long. I think um, actually it's a kind of an underrated element of the game when you go back and watch it is uh, New England's defensive line actually I thought played a really good game, to be quite honest. I thought yeah. they really did. Uh, Jabal Sheard, I thought down the stretch between this game and the AFC Championship, didn't put up the numbers, didn't finish off a lot of plays, but I thought Sheard really stepped up in the second half of the season. Uh, he was putting a lot of pressure. Chris Long, I did see, you know, he drew that critical holding penalty, but he actually was almost in on Dante Hightower's sack as well. Uh, he played pretty well. Uh, Alan Branch is a guy that is, is uh, going to be a free agent. Really interested to see what kind of contract he draws, whether Bill Belichick steps up and uh, keeps him or not or if it's going to be like an Akeem Hicks situation from last year, because he was a guy that, I mean, he even got a lot of national attention this year, because when you really watch the film, I mean, he was really probably one of their top two or three most valuable defenders after I would say probably Butler, McCourty, maybe Hightower. I mean, he was an absolute animal. Malcolm Brown and uh, the rest of that defensive line, I thought did a nice job, uh, you know, and save for a few Julio miracle catches. I mean, the defense actually played pretty well held Atlanta to 21 points uh, defensively because seven of those points obviously came off the Brady pick six. So to mm-hmm. me, I thought the defense actually played a pretty good game if you're considering they're going against supposedly the best offense in football, holding them to 21 points, shutting them down almost completely in the second half. I mean, to me, I think the defense got overlooked in that in that game, and I thought they played really well. The um, bigger part of the whole game, in my opinion, was the Patriots' offense when they finally got going. You know, and you looked at James White's game, who, God bless him, um... But Amendola made plays, and you weren't expecting a lot out of him. Why is it that we never expect a lot out of him, but yet there's always a lot out of him? Yeah, especially uh, a big thing about him is it seems in these playoff games, you know, he obviously probably didn't live up to his original contract. We all know that. He got that deal ripped up and got a new one. But it seems like in these playoff games, um, He's a guy that really has stepped up. I mean, I think he had, what, eight for 78, the touchdown plus the two-point conversion play. The fact that they go to him on that play, that speaks a lot about the trust that Brady and and, uh, McDaniels have in him. And uh, he's a tough guy, for just like Edelman, despite being a smaller guy, really tough. Another guy, again, like you're talking about guys who stepped up on offense and they got clicking, Malcolm Mitchell. I mean, that guy, Brady, that was Brady's go-to guy down, uh, you know, early in that fourth quarter. I think he had six catches to, to finish that game. I mean, He's a guy that's really promising. I kind of see him as a sort of a Deion Branch type eventually. Probably not a true number one, but a great no. number two receiver. And he, he really has a lot of speed. He showed a really good route running ability. I mean, that's a guy that I thought, you know, they really talked about Edelman, obviously with his miracle catch. Uh, Amendola stepped up. But I think Malcolm Mitchell really, and, and obviously James White, got a lot of the publicity as well for his MVP-esque game. But I think Malcolm Mitchell had to, deserve some credit as well. I mean, he made some critical catches for them, especially in uh, the fourth quarter and overtime. All right, let's go with this way. Unsung hero of the Super Bowl. I have two guys in mind. I want to hear who you have to say first. 
unsung hero. Um, yep, I would have to go. I would have to honestly go Malcolm Mitchell on offense. I think that a lot of his catches came at critical points in the game. I think almost all. I think all of them went for first downs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was really Pretty critical down the stretch. Yep. Um, so that would be my one guy on offense. Um, on defense, it's kind of tough. I would probably go probably go Allen Branch or Chris Long. I thought they both didn't show up in the stat sheet, but I thought they made some impact plays and uh, really shut down. I thought an unsung play, if you want to go with a single play, not a player, because Pat Chung did give up that touchdown to Austin Hooper. I thought that play where he knocked yeah. the ball out of uh, Hooper's hands later was an absolutely critical play that really got overlooked as well. But that that mm-hmm. really changed the uh, the outcome of that drive, too. All right, you want to hear mine? Yeah. Chung's one because of the fact okay. – granted, after the touchdown, okay, whatever. But the plays that he made in the second half, tackles on runs, knocking the ball out of Hooper, that was one. Steven Goskowski. What he did – and here's the funny thing with him, with his game in that. He could have went – he was going from GOAT – to he was going like he was going from shit to goat at one point, but the two kickoffs that he had, three kickoffs late in that game, where he put them on, you know, were the one the ten ten I think the nine and the eleven maybe something like that nine or nine and the twelve. It's not even the fact of where the returns ended for me. It was where he put the ball yep. on the two, on the one, on the inch with hang time. The fact that mm-hmm. he, yeah, the hang time, and let's not forget, the ball he kicked that Weems took out of the end zone that really wasn't out of the end zone because he caught it on the goal line, literally in the half-yard line, he kicked off from the 40. How many times do you see guys put that ball through the back of the end zone? The fact that he was able to do that, was I think the diff- was the difference? He did such a good that, job late in that game of popping balls up and letting them tackle that really, without Steven Goskowski in that game, you don't win the Super Bowl. Right, absolutely. And I mean, people want to be quick to point out the missed extra point and um, the onside kick attempt, which I mean, the chances of recovering those are pretty slim, anyways. But um. But it's the way You're he kicked right. them. I thought that that field that field position that he gained, and it's specifically, and you know, they they've done it throughout the year as well. It's not, it's not the first time they've done yeah. it. Was him being able to pop that ball up with hang time into the air to give that really good kickoff coverage team time to get down there, pinning Atlanta deep. I mean, that 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 was mm-hmm. absolutely critical down the stretch. I mean, especially I mean, consider that last drive. They had 57 seconds. Granted, they had no timeouts because Dan Quinn blew a challenge. 57 seconds to get in the field goal range. Matt Bryant's got a damn – Matt Bryant has got a leg on him. But the fact that he pinned them deep and the defense stepped up on that last drive, I mean, that was that was key because if they have the ball in good field position, there's there's a good chance they could have uh, tried to attempt a game-winning field goal. I'm sorry. Let me give you a third guy. I, I forgot this guy. Shane McClellan. You know what I think in, – and this happened early in the game – when Shane McClellan jumps the line on that extra point, which he should have never been flagged for. Right. When he jumped the line, he put in the Quinn's head going, oh, crap, they got somebody that can jump the line. 
Yep, and you wonder, let's say Atlanta did have a chance to kick that uh, game-winning field goal at the end, you know, kind of if it's like a 58 or 60-yard attempt, does he go for it for the risk of it getting blocked and return to end the game? You know, th- those are the types of things that might go through his head now, now that, uh, like you said, now that Shane McClellan blocked that and incorrectly called, don't even understand. You could tell Belichick was extremely pissed about that. But, uh, yeah, I yeah, think he, 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 said, he, had, he lined up over play. the fucking center, over the fucking tackle. Yeah, um, he did a good job there. Goskowski never gets any credit because of how good he's been. But to even correct himself after he missed the extra point from the same side, everything was the same, and he still hit. And he banged it through. Yep. I mean, he also hit two field goals that obviously points were at a premium in this game. I mean, they were every point was critical. Him hitting two field goals, even when it didn't seem like it mattered or it seemed like they should have gone for field, uh, touchdowns, you know, they chipped away, chipped away. You know, I think those matter too. Every, every, I'd say the fact that he hit two field goals and then the kickoffs were, were really critical in that game. You know, if he misses that field goal and, and they're still down 28-9, you know, that's a whole different ball game. But he hits that and then pins them deep with two great kickoffs. I mean, that's, that's a clutch performance for him. Yeah, and that's why when people say, I don't want Goskowski anymore, that's the reason you have Goskowski, because a lot of guys can't control that ball. Ask John Casey. (laughs) Ask him how hard it is to pin somebody near the sideline. That ball was four yards inside the line. But here's the funny thing, Stephen. I don't know if I told you this. I heard this guy on – maybe I did say it last week. guy on – um, the Sirius XM Blitz on NFL Radio. And it was, I don't know, what was it? The seventh? No, it was Tuesday after the conference championship games. And this guy says, when are we going to let stop letting Eric Weems run the ball out? He doesn't know when to take a knee. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. and as soon as he starts, I'm like, this guy's a damn genius. This guy's a moron. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Way to be stupid. When, um, but other than that, I mean, yes, we know Brady's as great as Brady is. He had a tremendous Super Bowl. James White probably should have won the MVP, but last time I checked, the quarterback's going to win in that case no matter what happens. Why did the NFL not stop giving away the trucks? Did we get in story on that? <laughs> like the fact that they don't give away a truck anymore. Like, is our ratings that bad that you can't even get find a truck sponsor to give away a truck? Or upset <laughs> that Brady gave his to somebody else? Um, well, we didn't do it last year either. Really, you can't get any of your partners to donate something. I mean, hell, the hockey all star game does. Um. What do you see this team doing with Garoppolo? I don't think they move him. I, I honestly think he stays here. No, I, I don't either. I think as much as they're going to be swayed with offers, and, you know, there's obviously been a ton of talk since the Super Bowl ended or even surrounding the Super Bowl about offers. I have a hard time thinking that um, unless they're blown away, I'm talking multiple first-round picks, you know, first-round pick and a player, something like that. I think mm-hmm. – that 
they can't really trust Jacoby Brissett to be the backup um, next year. As much as we love Tom, I mean, and as much as he takes care of his body, he's going to be 40 years old next year. All it takes is one, you know, one hit, one injury, and that might be it. And, you know, obviously we cross our fingers. We don't want that to happen. But I think eventually you got to kind of play a little bit like you're playing with house money at this point, the fact that he's been able to last this long. Because, you know, we thought three, four, five years ago that, oh, this is his window's closing, this is this could be it type thing, which obviously No, 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 that but, was Ricky. Ricky used to do that <laughs> shit. Don't yeah. fucking start we and, were thinking that way. I always thought the guy was going to play yeah. until he was 100. <laughs> so, you know, I think that um, – I don't think that they view Brissett as being ready right now uh, after only one year in the system. Um, and I think the risk of something happening to Brady, even let's say it's not even, you know, a season-ending injury. Let's say he's out for six to eight weeks, something like that. I don't see them trusting Brissett enough and him being ready to take that spotlight. I mean, let's face it, he wasn't even really a guy that people thought would go, you know, that high. I mean, yeah. I saw him play at Florida briefly before he transferred. I never really saw him as a guy that was really a starting caliber quarterback. You know, I think he is a really solid backup but I think that would be something a year down the line. To me, I think they're going to hold on to Garoppolo. If they really are uh, intent on trying to get something for him, I honestly think the better move is to let him play out that contract, franchise tag him after next year, and then you try and trade him for something because the team's still going to be willing to trade for him and hopefully you know, um, cut, it, cut, a, cut a deal with him on their own. I think that's the best thing to do. I think the security of having him – as your fallback option in case something happens to Brady, it's more valuable than trading him this offseason and getting a, a draft pick or two for him. You know, and here's the thing. He's been a good soldier. Okay? Bill doesn't trade good soldiers to bad places. Look at the trades Bill Belichick has made in season. And trades he has made involving players. Richard Seymour to Oakland. I mean, Jamie Collins to Cleveland. I mean, just look at the guys. The Mount, uh, Randy Moss to the Vikings when they were kind of falling off. I mean, you're 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 absolutely mm-hmm. right about that. I mean that. I mean he, he you those know, guys that 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 he likes. He I don't think he's no gonna... no 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 no. Wait wait. <laughs> Moss to Minnesota was a favor to Randy because Randy wanted to go back there to play with Barth. Uh, okay, I got him. So. But like, look. But there you go, Randy. He did the right. He did right by. But so he did right by. Because Buffalo just overpaid for him, and you never want to send a guy like that in division. But you did right by Drew. I don't think he said. And, and let's not let's not forget. He didn't want to send Jamie Collins to Houston. What did he ask for? Yeah, yes, for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is, was what came out this week. Yeah, right? who you know nobody in New England wanted to deal with. That right. dude's a diva. So that that was a, oh, they're not going to bite on this. You're going to Cleveland for nothing. Which I still think that was the him for Barkevius Mingo train. I, I really thought that that was it. I think Barkevius Mingo's here just in case. You know, you don't re-sign Hightower. Right. Um, I think Hightower stays. Do you find all this, like, Trump stuff stupid, though? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I try and stay out of politics, to be honest. Uh, but I think smart man. It's hard not. Nah, nah. It's hard it's, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a little annoying. I mean, all the players coming out. I mean, I'd rather just not really worry about it, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's getting to that point, especially with the the fact that it's the Patriots and they have guys that are supporters of Trump. It makes it a little bit different than if it's just another team. But when you have Brady and Belichick and the Crafts that are, you know, pretty openly supportive of him, it's a little bit of a dicey situation. But see, here's the thing I go with this whole thing. So all of a sudden, you're not supposed to be the guy's friend. If you believe the whole story went after Mrs. Kraft passed away, where Trump was, like, very good and very, you know, to Robert, like, all of a sudden, they're supposed to change your stripes and be like, no, screw him. No, that just makes you an unloyal piece of shit in my book. Right. Um, it makes you fake. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you, yeah. It, it, you know what? Oh, like, and I saw this and I, and it's, you know, one side baiting the other, but somebody put up yesterday. Well, nobody said anything when Brady didn't go with Obama. Did anybody care to like, I don't know, look at like a calendar on that one. That was what? 19 months ago, 18 months ago, give right. or take. What's Brady yeah. been dealing with for the last 18 months? Mama Brady's been sick, and he didn't want anybody to know about it. So why would he give that reason as to why he didn't go? Be <gasps> still my beating heart. The guy's a human being. <laughs> I mean, we all, we've already seen how the guy thinks the NFL was going to go sending Giselle's nudes out. So, like, why would we ever think that he trusted the, anybody enough to know that his mother was sick? Except for probably Mr. Kraft and Coach Belichick. And they did a hell of a job of keeping it a secret, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Absolutely. I think we've learned who he, I think we've learned who he, like, who he trusts <laughs> with this whole dirty D word. I mean, I, I may be wrong there, Stephen, but I tend to think the guy only trusts, like, a certain amount of people. Giselle's one of them. You got the circle of trust, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a tight circle. <laughs> and you know what the funniest part is? Remember when we hated Giselle because Giselle was the reason why the Patriots kept losing? Yeah, it was distracting him in the <laughs> off season and everything. Now we yeah, love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always love yeah, her. Yeah, we love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we love her now. My favorite was that whatever the hell she was doing in that luxury box, I still cannot figure out what the answer was. Is that like what he does, what they do at Carnival and all that crap? I don't know. <laughs> that was impressive. I'm not going to lie. Um, what yeah. else do we Before got? I got to run, though, I mean, George, uh, I just want to yeah. want to briefly maybe, maybe uh, get your quick predictions just because this is something I'm interested in. What is your predictions on, uh, you know, some of their top free agents this year? Because I think this is a year where we see a lot of key, key guys uh, set to be unrestricted free agents. And then we have Malcolm Butler. You know, kind of their top five guys, what do you kind of see happening between, you know, Branch, Butler, uh, you know, Sheard, all these guys. What do you see happening? Hightower? I think Hightower stays. I think he's a Bill guy. Kind of like a Mayo. That's um, what def- I kind of see him. They're going to give him that, yeah. that inside linebacker. Record setter, record setting type deal. 
I don't know if they'll give him the record-setting type deal. They don't do that to anybody but the quarterback. And they yeah, added to I it just for Mayo because to, he was, I think he's. I think. I think he's gonna demand it. You know, I think he's gonna ask for. I mean, he's not gonna take less than Jamie, which is twelve and a half a year. I don't. Th- I don't see how he'd settle for less than that. But let's not forget, they are very good in salary cap. Like their cap is very good. Yeah. Right. And, and let's not forget. What? And let's not forget when he goes in there and they say, "Okay, Tommy, it's time to redo this deal." We know that he's going to do whatever he can to help them out, which drives yep. the PA nuts because he's never taken that deal that will break the bank because he knows what happens when you're on a deal that'll break. Hogan's still locked up nicely. I could see them restructuring Hogan. Um, Amendola may be back, but Amendola's going to have to restructure that deal. If not, he's gone. Yep. Which? What do you think they're going to do with Bennett? I don't think they're going to have a choice. I think Bennett's the guy they're not going to have a choice with because he, even after the game, was saying, oh, they overpay for Super Bowl champions. Um. I think he's – I would like to see him stay only because I think there's a pitch count on the uh, on Hamburger Helper Hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see him stay. I don't think you're going to be able to afford him to stay. I think Malcolm Butler stays. Because I think Devin McCourty has a lot of influence there. I think Chung is gone. But only because Chung is like a hundred. Doesn't it feel like Chung is like a thousand years old at this point? Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to think that he he was a second round pick in two thousand nine. I think he's might be the only guy left from that draft class possibly on the team. Maybe Volmer, I think, but he's going to be gone. And then, um, you know, he left, came back, played really well the past few years. But I could see them kind of going a different direction too. Uh, Logan Ryan, another guy that's. I think he's going to end up getting overpaid somewhere else. Really? No. I think think he's going to get offers to go somewhere else. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, I think Devin McCourty has a lot of sway back there. Yeah. So you think that Rutgers trio is going to end up staying, him, Harmon, and uh, and, uh, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know what, I I think when it comes down to it, those guys, like I said to Bob and, and, and Sean before, who goes anywhere and is any good? Right. You know, um, so I think he stays. I think Brady reworks his deal to help them out, to keep somebody. I think at this point, as much as Drew Rosenhaus doesn't want it to happen, I think Hamburger Helper Hands does it to keep him here long term. Um, Which may open the door to help with Bennett if you're going to keep Bennett. Um, I think Oskowski's gone. I think they draft another kicker, but I I don't – that's not really a big one. I think Ryan Allen may be gone. They could probably find a cheaper punter. Um, they may extend Hogan to get him less on the cap because I think Hogan's going to be one of those for lifers. Jules may be the same. Jules may help them out if they need them to. You got to remember, a lot these guys like playing there so much that some of them will do anything they can to stay here. As Absolutely. much as like the PA and everybody doesn't like it. Um, 
I don't know. But that, that in the case in that case, I don't know. Isn't Gerard Mayo's money coming off the books this year? Yep, should be. Uh, so that helps you out a little bit. Yep. I mean, there's definitely a lot of moving parts. I mean, for a Super Bowl winning team, I can't remember. You know, there's a lot of guys that could be moving, but like you said, I think this is a team that's very close knit, and uh, there's some strong leaders there, and I think they're going to have a major influence about trying to stick together. And you know, and the, the chance to win with Tom Brady, you know, and, and know that you still have at least a couple more years uh, to be right back in that position. I mean, that that could sway a lot of guys. And let's really not forget this, though. For some of those, I mean, Bennett's the only one that's had success anywhere else, right? Right. I mean, Alan Branch is a guy that was on, like, his fifth team until he came here. I mean, Chris Hogan was bounced around. I mean, just like you said, I mean, a lot of these guys didn't find success until they came here. Maybe a lot of them realized it's really about this system and, like, this is their best chance to succeed, you know? You know, and, and... you know, and but look, here's the thing I look at it. Is it win- about winning for guys or is it about money for some guys? And I always go back to something that Matt Barnaby said to me when he said, would you rather have $5 million bucks in the bank or $10 million bucks in the bank? And the $5 million comes with the caveat that you won the Stanley Cup. And he says, I'd rather have $10 million bucks. That's the difference between a fan and a player. We know where the money is. The guy really cares about the money. He ain't staying in New England. They don't pay anybody. Right. The guy wants to win because he's won already. And he's made his money. He's staying in New England. But, it, I mean, I think Michael Floyd's back because I think he's going to have to stay here. Yep. Definitely a lot of scenarios that are going to be interesting to follow, not to mention the draft. Um, I mean, what they do with Jimmy G. I mean, it's going to be a pretty interesting offseason. So, um, with that said, I got to run, but I I think we should definitely uh, hook up during draft season and kind of delve into once the agency hits. Definitely got to be a lot of stuff to talk about, and I think it's uh, it's always a pleasure joining the show. Yes, sir. All right. And and to to Stephen goes, thank you to Stephen. I think I have to play the Super Bowl highlights. And that's how we're going to end our party here tonight, kids. But, uh, Stephen, thanks for joining once again. Uh, where can I find them? Hey. It was a good time. But we'll leave you tonight with the best radio calls of the Super Bowl from both Atlanta and New England because we want to be fair to the losers. And, of course, there's a little bit of a problem with the switchboard, which is not usually a big deal. It could be at times. Don't forget, follow all our guests on the on the Twitter. Uh, the links are in the bio for the show.
Now, if you're listening, you want to call in before we end the show. Seven seven three eight nine seven six four two four. Boy. has the cue from the officials. He raises his right hand. He's in the staggered stance. He begins the approach at Super Bowl 51 is underway. First and 10 at the 33. New England quickly breaks the huddle. Garrett, LeGarrette Blunt, the lone setback. They're going to hand the ball to the big back, trying to get here to the left side, and a flag goes down as Blunt is tackled, and the ball pops out, and Atlanta's recovered with Robert Alford. The Falcons have the football. Carl Jeffers confirms it. How about that? Yeah, Blunt working for extra yardage, trying to get a little bit more. The ball ripped out by Deion Jones and Robert Alford. Johnny on the spot, and Atlanta's got it. They'll hand it to Freeman inside. Devontae starts out wide left. He'll score standing into the end zone. He took a big leap, and Atlanta has grabbed the lead in Super Bowl 51. trying to get the intercepted. Coming back up the field is Robert Alford. Alford 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, and he will walk into the end zone on an 81-yard pick six. Lest the veteran quarterback gets baited into throwing the ball to the inside. This young defense, we've heard all this week about a young Atlantis defensively they just completely fooled the veteran quarterback into throwing the ball to the inside versus the robber coverage, and Alford is dancing in the end zone. My goodness. It's officially an 82-yard pick six for Rocky Alford. Steven Goskowski killing themselves right now. They're killing themselves right now. So the field goal try to put the Patriots on the board, down 21 nothing. Goskowski waits in the staggered stance, one for one in the Super Bowl in his career. Swing to the right leg, the kick, airborne to the upright, and the kick is good. Goskowski delivers for the Patriots. But really another missed opportunity for New England offensively with a clock down to two seconds here on the second quarter. It is 21-3 Atlanta lead. The Falcon fans may be outnumbered here in Houston by the Patriot partisans. Right now, they've got plenty of reason to cheer. They're a team from Atlanta. They depart through the tunnel, across the way to our right. The Patriots head off to the near side. The Falcons with a spring to their step. The Patriots, meanwhile, walking back toward the locker room. For the most part, again, down 21-3. 
Jones lined up here to the left. Bunch look right. Ryan going to throw. Here's Coleman at the five. He'll beat Nikovic to the end zone. Touchdown, Atlanta. There's too many weapons, West. They got too many guys to pay attention to. Julio Jones does double coverage. Ryan looks that way. Coleman flips out the other side to flat. Nikovic is going to have to knee. He's going to need some help to cover 26 in the right flat. Eight plays, 85 yards, and 414. Matt Ryan has thrown his second touchdown pass of the night, and the Falcons now lead 27 to 3. Brady takes the snap. Back on his fires left. Catch made by White. Turns to the inside. Dives across the goal line. Touchdown, Patriots. There's one. Been in a spot before it got started in Super Bowl 49 with Danny Amendola's touchdown catch. And maybe, just maybe, there's the one you need by James White. Nice little move off the pivot. Good job by the quarterback on his drive, led by him not only through the air, but with the legs. White gets it over that goal line. And now it's time for somebody on the defensive side to make the play to get to Matt Ryan. Point after drive by Goskowski from the left hash of the 23. Snap from Cardona to Allen. Kick airborne to the uprights. And the kick banks off the right uprights. Carini, no good. But I'm thinking they should go for two potentially. Still little Dusty, no good. What are we, what are we doing here? Steven Goskowski's going to come out for the Patriots and try a field goal. Remember, he's missed an extra point. And he will now attempt a 33-yard field goal. Same distance as his last PAT attempt, which banged off the right upright. Down by 19. It's a three-score game, accounting for the two-point conversion try. Snap in the spot. Kick lifted to the upright. Down the kick is good. Ryan waits on the step. The staggered stance. He'll take it. Backs up. A blitzer coming. And Hightower gets to the quarterback. Ball is loose. Patriots sacking Ryan and recovering at the 25. Allen Branch comes away with a football force and a fumble by Ryan off the sack by Hightower. This is a massive, massive mistake by the Falcons and Matt Ryan. I mean, this is the deepest he's taken a drop all day. Your seven-step drop on third and two? What are you doing? You've given New England a chance on a short field. We got a ball game now. Tom takes the step. Backs up. Looks left. Throws it for Evan. Yep. Goal on. Touchdown, Patriots. I'll take a mistake and freebie right there. But great poise by the offense. First play. You go backwards on a sack. You respond with the rookie. And now you take the quarterback that's been in this situation so many times. Go back to two years ago. Right to that guy, Danny Amendola. In a two-score game, first one to punch it in. Now we got a ball game, folks. Pass will go for two, 5.56 to go here on the fourth. They'll do it a trip to the right. Bennett, Hogan, and White. Two receivers left. Mitchell in the slot inside of Edelman. White joins Brady, motioning into the backfield. He stands at Tom's left hip. Brady realigns Edelman in short motion. As direct snap to James yeah. White. Runs up the middle. He's in for two. Jones here to the near side. Max 
finesse it to him. New England trying to get there. Matt up in the pocket. Now going to cut it loose. Looking for Julio. What a catch. He made a catch. Unbelievable. Unbelievable grab at the 22-yard line. Ahead of Eric Rowe. Brian rushes into the line of scrimmage to try to get the ball snap. Julio, one foot down, two feet down. Unbelievable grab to high point it and get both. Oh, what a catch. Spectacular catch. That will live in Super Bowl history right there. That's one of the great catches of all time. 27 yards to Julio Jones. Edelman, Bennett, White to the right. Amendola hoping to the left as Mitchell gets a well-deserved blow. From the near hash of the 36. Shotgun snap to Brady. Stands in, throws down the for Edelman. Ball tipped. It's only a diving for it. As Olford cuts in front of the receiver, Edelman has it. Did he make the catch? He, he did! Two At the three. 40. The ball was tipped by Olford. The Patriots are going to try to line up and snap, and Dan Quinn is going to throw the challenge flag. The ball was hit high in the air. Edelman leaping forward. Making the grab. It's the ball it. on the left foot of Olford. He's got it. Edelman made the catch off the deflection. Eventually, his arms underneath the left foot of the defensive back. Surrounding the pass. Did the ball hit the turf? Fourth quarters, late in games in Super Bowls. These things don't happen in New England. They usually go against them. (laughs) Can you say David Tyree and Jermaine Kearse? Oh, I'd like to take one more look at this one. (laughs) I mean, again, the Patriots are trying to hurry to the line of scrimmage. What a catch. 70 seconds to go, ball just inside the one right hash mark. Brady will move under center, White behind him. Edelman to the right, Bennett to the right. Brady surveys the defense. Tom takes the snap. He backs up, hands it to White. Up yeah. to the middle. Touchdown, Patriots! They're going with it, too. It's Super Bowl 51. It's amazing how this team is never dead. Boy, you got to drop them to come back from a 25-point deficit when things are dire. But you put it on 12's back. They may have the regular season MVP. We might be looking at the Super Bowl 51 MVP if this plays out. James White, 12 catches, 107 yards. And he's got a touchdown receiving and a touchdown rushing and two-point play running. And he's going to line up to the right along with Mitchell. 57 seconds to go. A two for the tie. Drips to the left. Brady under center. Tom takes the step. Quick throw to Amendola. Screen left. A flag is he... Reaches across the goal line for a score. There is a penalty marker on the play. They're offside. That's it. The Patriots with an apparent two-point conversion. A time for Buddy Mitchell. It's a hard game in Super Bowl 51. Hard time for everybody. Give it up. What are you looking at, Beatle? I can't believe it. The place is rocking. Play Josie. <laughs> Down 25 to tie with a two-point conversion in the final seconds. And now the Patriots with a first and 10 for the Atlanta 15. Brady takes the snap. Stands in. He lobs a throw toward Bennett. Makes the catch. No. Knocked away at the goal line. There's a penalty marker. Martellus Bennett trying to make the twisting adjustment on a throw covered by the linebacker Campbell. I could see it from up here. He had him. The flag is thrown. Oh, my. After two of Atlanta. He got total face guarding, holding, whatever you want to call it. It's P.I. is what it is. So it's a spot foul. And the officials 
will place the ball down. from a fifth Super Bowl championship. 11-13 on the clock, overtime, 28-28. James White, the set behind Brady. We'll move under center, trips to the right, Bennett to tight end left. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White, cuts it up to the right arm, cuts it upfield, driving forward, it's diving to the goal! He's helped build this league and make this league what it 